Happy to be here. We are continuing our series through big questions about God, which I am excited about today. Um, We've covered a lot, and we have a few more weeks left in it, and I wanted to spend time talking about a crucial element of our faith, and that is the Word of God, or the Bible, Scripture. And so so the question we're going to answer today is, why is the Bible important? And I think it's a valid question to ask, especially because, like, when you think about it, um, well, for starters, like, you guys probably don't read as much as you should nowadays, you know? Like, we're not, we're not really reading that much. And when you do read, you're probably not reading a book that was written thousands of years ago. But that's what Scripture is. And as long as you come to Christ Church or a church like Christ Church, we're always going to be telling you to be reading Scripture and to know what Scripture says. And so, in, in order to really, like, do that, you need to understand that the Bible is important. It is extremely important. So I wanted to take a night to just talk about that and, and to give you an answer of why Scripture, why the Bible is something that you should prioritize in your life, why it is important. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you five answers to this question, five straight-up answers. We're going to talk about that. And then as we close, I'm going to tell you one thing I don't want you to, to do with this, with this information Uh, One way I don't want you to approach scripture, and then I'm going to give you one way that I want you to approach scripture. Okay, so that's just cut and dry what we're going to be doing today as we answer this question. So let's get right into it. Point number one, or answer number one to why is scripture important? The first one is this. Maybe some of you know this answer, but it's still important to, to, to talk about. And it's every word in the Bible is God's word. Okay, so as you look at this book, right, I mean, it's, it's got like a ton of pages in it. It's got two, what, two, what, am I, what am I trying to say? It's got like two lines for each page, right? Like there's a ton of words in this Bible. And one thing that we teach you, one thing that I believe, one thing that I want you guys to believe is that every single word that is found in here is the word of God. And so the reason why I'm saying that is 2 Timothy 3.16 Kind of, it kind of gives us an answer to, to this question, right? Why is the Bible important? 2 Timothy 3.16, the author is Paul. He says this about Scripture. He says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's a pretty good answer to why Scripture is important. But what I really want us to focus on in this passage is the first, or the first couple words, right? All scripture, every single word has been breathed out by God. Now, I want to explain the process a little bit. Scripture was written, right? Like it's, it's really a library of books. There's 66 different books in the Bible written by a handful of different authors. All men, right? Like all human beings. God inspired the words, though. So it wasn't God writing the words. It was a man writing it, but it was God's words, right? This is a term, this is a phrase called divine inspiration, and that's what we believe, that every single word was penned by man, but it was inspired by God, right? So that's, that's what makes up our Bible. And so already this, the Bible's already something that's a lot different than any other book that we have, but it's important, this, this verse kind of shows us that this is unlike any other textbook, any other book that we have, not just because it's ancient and it's been written in, by all these different people and all of that, but it's different because it is a living document. It is the words 
of God. So we shouldn't approach it like any other book, like any other textbook, right? This is knowledge that, that can give us abundant life. So if you feel distant from God, if you're sitting down wondering, what does God want for my life, or is God even real, I would, I would encourage you to be familiar with the words of this book, because these are the words of God. This is one of God's main ways of revealing himself to us in this world today. And when we do that, we will learn more about who God is. Think of it like this. Uh, the Bible is like an owner's manual. And the way you should approach an owner's manual is like the same thing like, like the way you approach a, a car owner's manual. Like I have a Volkswagen, okay? Uh, if, if, if there's any car junkies around here, any car junkie I've ever told that, that I own a Volkswagen, they go, ooh. Like, you really need to know how to treat that car because it's, it's really temperamental. Like, and what I mean by that is, like, you, there's really specific types of oil that you need to put in that car. You need to treat it a certain way. And there, there came a point where I didn't put the correct oil in my Volkswagen. And I'm oversharing now, but now, because of that, my engine in my car is kind of dying. It's consuming oil at a rapid rate. I'm spending a ton of money on just oil in my car, and I'm, I'm just kind of, I digress, right? Forgive me for that, but... I didn't follow the owner's manual properly, and now my car isn't running the way it should. And in the same way, the Bible is our owner's manual. The Bible lays out how we are to live our lives, and we should act accordingly. And when we start to stray from what the Bible says, from, from how the Bible tells us to live our lives, we're going to start acting up, right? We're, we're going to need extra attention. So it's important to note that every single word in the Bible is God's word. And remember, if we go back to the first night of Shig, right, we answered the question, who is God? And we covered, like, who, we answered the question, who God is? We talked about who God is. We talked about all these different characteristics. God is all loving, right? He's all powerful. And he's revealed himself to us through this book. And so we should know what it says and know what it has to say for our lives. And we should believe that it'll bring us abundant life if we just simply follow it like an owner's manual. That's answer number one. Answer number two, God's word is true. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, how many of you guys did Compass in eighth grade? A, a good amount of you did it. Our church does this really cool program. It's like a confirmation program. When you're in eighth grade, you learn about basic biblical doctrines. Um, and each week you cover a new topic. One night, like one, one night we spend a whole night talking about this fact, that the Bible is true. Josiah, two weeks ago, with our eighth graders now, talked about this, this, this idea that the Bible is a reliable document that we can hold on to. There's a whole art to criticizing and putting and like testing old documents it's called textual criticism. And it, we do this with all ancient documents. And the idea is we don't have the original scrolls of the Bible. So it's, what we do have is ancient copies of that scroll. And so we study that and we look at the numbers and we crunch it to make sure this is a reliable source. When you look at that, and you look at all the other ancient texts, uh, all the other ancient books that we do have, we see that the Bible is overwhelmingly the most reliable document that we have. Like both, like people from the church who study it that way say this, but people that aren't believers also say that the, that the scriptures that we have, the Old and New Testament, are the most reliable ancient documents that we have. And I can show you a bunch of graphs and numbers to kind of prove that to you, but take my word for it. And if you want more of that, come talk to me, and I, and, I, and I'll give you more information. But but the reason I'm talking about this is because we can rely on the words that Scripture has for us. It's kind of funny because I'm, I'm using Scripture to kind of back up that Scripture is something that we should, like, like Scripture says that it's reliable, so you should rely on it. That, that's kind of silly, right? Like if your parents say, like, you should rely on me because I'm your parent, that's not enough information, right? Well, 
the reason why I have this point is to kind of show you that this is a reliable document. This is something that has stood the test of time. People have tried to tear down the Bible, and it, it, it hasn't gone away. It's shown no sign of going away. It's the best-selling book, right? Like, there are reasons for this. And another reason to back this up is all the people who wrote in the New Testament, they died because they wrote the things that they wrote, and they, they believed the things that they believed. They were willing to die for these things. And now they're, now they're standing the test of time, and these words are spreading all throughout the world. So that's my second point. The, the word of God is true. It's something that we can rely on. We can know that, that it, it speaks truth to our lives. Point number three, answer number three. God's word is truth. So John 17, 17 tells us, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so this is a much different answer to the, compared to my other answer, right? God's word is true kind of tells us like the adjective. It is something that we can rely on. But saying God's word is truth is laying out the fact that this is an abundant well of knowledge for our lives. This is an owner's manual telling us and laying out how we can live our lives, how, how we can obtain an abundant life. Right, that's, that's what this verse is talking about, and that's what we believe the Bible to be. Something that can give us abundant life because of the words that are inside it, and because of the things that it tells us to do. That's answer number three. Answer number four. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. So point number one, I said every, every book or every word in the Bible is the word of God. And now point number four, I'm telling you that Jesus is also the word of God. So transitive property, right? Jesus is the embodiment of the Bible, right? And we know this because in John 1.1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 goes on to say, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of, only son, uh, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what these words are saying is, the word of God came to this world in the flesh through Jesus. Right, we've talked a lot about Jesus so far this year. This is all the more reason to, to, to get on your knees and worship him. He is the embodiment of God's word. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because that pro, like we are recognizing that awesome process. And then we look at Jesus' life. And we see that this is like abundantly true. He goes on to like live his life, and he's a walking Bible. He is constantly quoting scripture everywhere he goes. Think about the episode where Jesus, right before he goes off into his ministry, he is in the wilderness, and the, and the devil is tempting him, right? He goes 40 days and 40 nights. He doesn't eat or drink anything. Satan appears and has three different temptations for Jesus. How does Jesus respond? Like, like for, the, for example, the first one, Satan comes to Jesus and is like, hey, you look really hungry. Why don't you take those stones over there and use your little Jesus powers and turn them into bread, right? If you're God, surely you can do that. You don't have to starve yourself, right? Jesus, now Jesus could have done that and shown him that. Jesus could have like snapped his fingers and smited Satan right there. But instead, Jesus responds by quoting scripture to him. He quotes this, this passage in Deuteronomy saying, man shall not live on bread alone. Right? But, but by the words of God. Right? Again, showing us the importance that we need to cling to God's word. Right? So Jesus goes throughout his life quoting scripture, hoping that we cling to it as well. So he is this walking embodiment of the flesh. He is the walking Bible. So as we get to know him, as we have a relationship with him, 
we, we're getting more familiar with our Bible. If we want to reach out to Jesus and, and have an active relationship and hear from him and, and, ha- and have fellowship with him, we should probably know what his words are saying to us. So we do that by reading scripture and knowing what it says. So those are the first four answers, right? The word is, the, the word, every word in the Bible is God's word. God's word is true. God's word is truth. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. And before I get to the fifth one, I want to point out, just like most of these topics, most of these questions, there are an abundance of answers. So I can, I can spend a month giving you guys answers about why scripture is something that you should sub- subscribe to, why you should make it a priority in your life, why it is important in your life. I'm just choosing five specific answers. So know that there are even more answers to this. But th- this final answer I chose intentionally because I think this one gets at another question that's asked a lot. Um, So this is is the answer. The Bible shows us that God never changes. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing this point up is because I think a common misunderstanding of Scripture is reading the Old Testament and, and, and learning about God there and then reading the New Testament. And I think a common question or challenge that people have when they do that is they read the God of the Old, they read about the God of the Old Testament and then they, they read about what Jesus says and they're like, these surely can't be the same God. This, this cannot be the same God that they are worshiping. That, that's a clear conflict within the text. And you wouldn't be alone. Like literally one of the first heresies of the church, Pastor Mike literally talked about this this morning. It's a man named Marcion. He did this. He read the Old Testament. He read the New Testament. And he looked at the Old Testament. And he's like, that God's bloodthirsty. That God is smiting people. That God is walking around judging people. I don't see any love with that God. Then we, then we flip the pages to the New Testament and we see Jesus turning the other cheek and loving people. Like simply put, these, these two are two different gods. So let's just throw out the Old Testament. But... I would challenge you and challenge Marcion if I saw him and could speak his language. I would tell him that if you truly read scripture, it teaches us that, that the God in, in the Old Testament and the God in the New Testament are the same. And the, and, and the main reason why is because our God does not change. He doesn't need to change. So just even looking at Jesus' life, he is constantly, whenever he's not with people in the Gospels, what is he doing? He's off early in the morning, going off and, and spending time with God the Father. And he's submitting to that God's will, right? To God the Father's will. That same God who was in the Old Testament. Or in, in another way, too. Jesus is a more enhanced version of that God from the Old Testament. He is like, if a camera lens is out of focus... You zoom it, like you, you kind of mess with it. You do, I'm not a photographer, but like, you know, you mess with the lenses and then all of a sudden Jesus comes clearer in the picture. Like that's the process of the New Testament. We just simply see that same God from the Old Testament more clearly because it's Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Or, or think of it like this. Um, if we were to go outside right now and look at the stars, we, we probably couldn't see them because we're close to the city and all the science and stuff. We can't see the stars because of pollution. I, I don't know. We, for whatever reason, we normally can't see the stars, right? But if you go like, you know, two hours into Wisconsin where there's not people there, right, and there's not cities because Wisconsin's like a whole another world, right, you look up into the sky, you can see the stars. Now, when we go outside here and we can't see the stars, we don't go, oh, the stars aren't out tonight or there, there must not be stars tonight. We know that there are stars there. It's just there's clouds in the way. And in the same way, in, in, in the Old Testament, it's like our vision of God is a little bit more cloudy because we don't have Jesus yet. And, and the Old Testament is actually pointing to Jesus. 
All of Scripture is pointing to Jesus. You have the Old Testament pointing forward to him. You have the Gospels looking straight at him. And then you have the rest of the New Testament looking back at Jesus. Jesus is that clear picture of who God is. He's that enhanced view. Moving forward, too, looking past Jesus, you look at the authors of the New Testament. They grew up in this reading the Old Testament like crazy. And so I, I mentioned I brought props. I brought this book. There's this, this really big book. It's, it's, it's like bigger than the Bible, right? Like it weighs like five pounds. It looks like a dictionary. And what it says, this is what it is. It's a commentary on the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. So what that means is if you were to open up the New Testament and like let's say go to the book of Galatians, in that there are multiple times where Paul is using words from the Old Testament to prove a point in the New Testament. Or in other words, the Old Testament is infused with the New Testament. So it's literally impossible to read the New Testament without knowing what the Old Testament is talking about. Or in other words, the New Testament is simply just building on what we already know of the Old Testament God. So these gods are the same. They're one and the same. God doesn't need to change. I want to bring up a passage of scripture that also talks about this. It's a passage that I've talked about already. When we've talked about who God is and he's the author of all things good, I read James chapter 1 verse 17 that says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now whenever I read this verse, I, I love the first part, right? Like every good and perfect gift comes from, from, from God, right? And like looking at Genesis chapter 1, he creates the world in six days. On the seventh day, he looks at all the world and he says, this is good, right? And that's what James 1.17 is validating. But then the second part of that verse goes on to say, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And what he's telling us there is, our God is the same God in Genesis 1 as he is in Revelation 21. From the beginning to the end, our God has not changed, right? And he is still that author of good things, and so the reason why, this is my fifth and final point, that, by, that the Bible shows us that our God never changes is because when we read scripture and we learn about this God who's all-loving, who makes promises to us and, and promises to, to bring redemption in this world and put an evil, like take, take away the evil in this world, we know that it is the same God that fulfilled all of his promises in scripture that's working today. So it should give us hope to know that the author of all things good is still working in this world today. You turn on the news, like there's, there's, a, there's a new war on the horizon, right? There, there's a lot of evil happening in this world. And this verse right here tells us that we serve a God who is the author of all things good and has a solution to all of this evil and has a plan to redeem us. And so we should look at scripture and see that he has fulfilled all of his promises and know that he is still fulfilling his promises today because he is a God that does not change. That's something that we can learn as we become more and more familiar with what the words of Scripture tell us. Right, so those are my five answers. There are, there are plenty of other answers. Those are the five that I wanted to reveal to you today. Now, I want to close tonight by giving you something I don't want you to do with this information and something I want you to do with this information. So let's start with what I don't want you to do. What I don't want you to do is be like the Pharisees. Okay, so... To give you some context, I've talked about the Pharisees in, in the past couple of years at Chig, but pretty much the Pharisees were 
a, a group of people that were Jews during the New Testament, right? And, and they, were, they were a group that knew the word of God very, very well. Like, they probably had most of the Old Testament memorized. And they could probably refer to it within a conversation, much like how we would pull out our phone and like type in something, like they just had it in their brains. Like they really knew everything that, that the Old Testament said. Like if we, if we were dropped off in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and we had a question about God, somebody would probably point us to a Pharisee and say, these people know about the word of God, go to them. But ironically, these people were the people that Jesus clashed with the most in the New Testament. These were the people that Jesus was calling out. While he was spending time with sinners, right, with, with prostitutes and drunks and tax collectors and all these people that no one else wanted to spend their time with, like he was having a good time with them and he was having a hard time with these people that claimed to know the word of God. And that's because ultimately they were looking at scripture and not embracing it like, uh, like, like you would a relationship and instead they were looking at it like a textbook and using it to wield power over people and to set more rules and, and to, to distance themselves from the outside world. So I don't want you to approach scripture like the Pharisees did. I don't want you to just read it so that you can have all the verses memorized and know what it says. Instead, I want you to read scripture so that with the belief knowing that it can transform your life. I want you to read scripture and hopefully you, you'll know and, and, and be able to cite back words from it because that is important. Memorization is key. But if it just stops there, if it just stops at head knowledge and it's not changing the way that you live, if it's not bringing you closer to God, then there's something wrong in that process. Like I said before, the Bible isn't some textbook. So if you can just recite all 66 books and, and, and say a couple verses, like that's not, what, that's not what God wants from us. What he wants from us is to take this, these words and apply it to our hearts and allow it to change us and transform us. When I was a junior in high school, I was reading through the Psalms and uh, I read Psalm 119.9. Fun fact about Psalm 119, longest chapter in all of scripture. It's got like 150 verses in it. And what that chapter is all about is like, it's, it's just like poetry to like emphasizing how important the word of God is. Right, so like the longest book or the longest chapter in all scripture is about scripture and about its importance, which I find funny. Right? And Psalm 119 tells us this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And I remember I read this passage and I realized like I was struggling with sin in my life. I was struggling with, with, with living a righteous life, with, with being pure. Right? And then I read this passage and I realized we have scripture so that it can change us, so that it, it can transform our lives, so that it can make us into a new creation. And so we need to, we need to approach it as such. I remember reading this, and as, as like a 16-year-old, it, it changed my life. It transformed me. And it's been a passage that I think can help you, too. If you're struggling with something that you, that you know you shouldn't be struggling with, if there's a sin that just seems to not go away, this passage here script, is, is pointing us to Scripture and telling us that it these words in, this, in, in the Bible have the power to, to give us victory over that sin and to bring us back on that path towards, towards abundant life. It points us to Jesus, who is the embodiment of these words, right? And it shows us our need for that. Our, it shows us our need for Jesus. So for all of those things, that is why Scripture is important. 
And when we choose to approach it in the correct way, we will become different people. We will become better people. We will become people who are living life the way our creator designed us to live. So that's my hope for you as we, as we close today. So let me close this in prayer.